been at rehearsal for a little bit. We're getting ready to release a new single at the end of the week. So we're doing all the little things we have to do for that. Oh, yeah. All the social media, the marketing. Yeah, the press, the radio, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Never easy, is it? No, like, honestly, everyone thinks like, oh, my God, you have a new single coming out. You're like, yeah. <laughs> we'll be happy when we'll it's be done. We'll be happy once it's done. Like, <laughs> yeah. Once it's out, that's that's when you can celebrate. But all, those, all the stuff leading into it is just the, like, once, it, once it's finally recorded, it's exciting. Like, because then you get to hear the final bit and you're like, all right, great, that's done. And then you just kind of like shrug and go, oh, no, the next two weeks are going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it the music making the hard part or is it the aftermath? the promotion i think the music side is the fun part i mean that's yeah. i mean because we write everything we don't have a band behind us when we're when we're, re we're rehearsing or anything like that it's just the two of us so the the best part about creating everything is just not really knowing where it's going to go um and getting that experimenting done and then having that finished product when everything's finally said and done is 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 the really fun and exciting part because it's the creative part really more than anything else um but I think once it's done and we hear that, like, you know, we send it off to our engineer to mix and master it. Once it finally comes back and we hear, we're like, yes, it sounds so good. <laughs> and, you know, we listen to it a couple of times and then it's just the, it, it, that slow wind down from like, oh my God, it sounds so good to, oh, it's, it sounds good. We actually have to like work on people hearing it now. This is, <laughs> so, you know, the social part is easy and we have, you know, lots of great, I mean, the nice thing about our, our social following is that they're, they're all really excited whenever we post that. So that part's easy. It's the, it's all the back end and you know getting getting the getting the right people to hear it is is the fun part but it's also the mm. it's 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 not that it's not fun it's just it's it's the you the send it to like a hundred people and like one person gets back to you yeah. <laughs> you know but it's yeah it's i mean it's it's all the marketing side of things that isn't quite as fun right because mm -hmm. it is very much the all right here's all the radio sense here's the epk here's the radio sense. here's the epk but you know the the ones that we we get lots of really great responses from a lot of the press outlets that we really like and nice. those are always the ones that are that are that know us by name and are really always looking for what we're about to do next so it's at the end of the day it's it's worth it it's it's always worth it no matter what we're doing it's always worth it it's play for you guys right? exactly you're doing what you love so. yeah what is uh, behind you on the wall behind like way back yeah, it's there right there yeah so that's uh that's the playbill wall so we're both huge musical theater lovers and uh that's a collection of literally just every broadway show that i've seen or that nicole's seen at some point or another that's super cool like, <laughs> so neat i love it it's like is a good, the poster of it or is that the brochure or? it's actually the uh the program that we, the that, program that we that, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's good because if you want to like pop one open and like look at it you'll see the original cast that we got to see with it and it's funny like looking back on some shows that we've seen like realizing oh my god like you know big name people that are now famous in the musical theater world were in you know bit parts when we saw these shows originally so and you guys are both located in toronto yeah, yeah. Toronto. okay yeah calgary for myself nice yes. nice i've been to calgary Have you? <laughs> yeah. stampede no actually uh, i was doing a theater tour so i was just there for like two nights but uh yeah i've been i've been around alberta <laughs> <laughs> i think someone was telling me new york's actually ending their phantom of the opera is, is that true yeah a lot of stuff is closing on broadway it's phantom but phantom hurt phantom was one of those like you, you have shows that have been around for you know, four or five, six years yeah. that, you know, reach their, reach their end. And that's kind of a common thing, but Phantom was one of those, right? 
Phantom is yeah. like a staple. When well, you it's think the Broadway. longest running show yeah. on Broadway so far ever in history. So, so for that one to close, that one, yeah. it was, it, it, I don't know, when you hear, you know, I don't know, something like Dear Evan Hansen closing, you kind of go, yeah, okay, yeah, it, it was bound to close. But Phantom yeah. is just one that you just, you expect it to just be there always because it's it's a staple of New York. And yeah, that one hurt. That one hurt a little bit. February, they're closing it. Yeah. So, hey, I've never been to New York, and I've always wanted to see the Phantom of the Opera. You should go. Yeah, you should you go should before go. it closes, just to just yeah. to just to experience it, because it, you know, it, it it it'll tour and things like that, but it's not the same. Like getting to see it in its original theater, the way it's meant to be seen, is because if you don't go to see it in New York, now you have an excuse to go to London to go see it in in, in <laughs> on the West End, right? Uh, I think it was yeah, two thousand seven. I had seen Wicked in London. Oh, nice. That's a, that's a classic show that's good <laughs> yeah, oh yeah so the phantom is worth checking out yeah it, it is one of those that i you know over time like it's it, it's slightly dated but it doesn't matter just because the the spectacle of it is just absolutely incredible yeah, yeah. it's yeah and i don't know for me it's just it'll always be one of my favorite shows well the dog his dog is named phantom yeah oh. after after phantom of the opera yeah okay. <laughs> so now i definitely have to go <laughs> <laughs> so how did you the two of you get started in this industry and obviously um become a duo in spearhead broadry well we're a product of the pandemic i guess you could say we met doing theater i mean armand's been doing music for way longer than me um you were in punk bands and all that sort of stuff yeah i mean i i, I did the whole high school you know garage band thing and well, sure, basement yeah band thing just because you know winters winters are cold but uh you know i've 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 had my experience touring and you know in a variety of different like pop and punk bands for for a while and then i think towards the end of i i did some solo stuff for a while and then i think on my second tour i'm like okay i think we're taking a break from music because you know it's 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 especially when you're on your own it's just it's so much more work you don't have co-writers you don't have extra people helping you out so i put that to the side. And then, you know, a year later, I was just, I was missing the stage and I was missing performing and I was missing being creative. And I didn't, I picked up my guitar. I'm like, nope, we're not doing this for a while. So uh, I picked up, you know, back where I left off in high school. I'm like, you know, let's jump on stage and into acting again. And that's where, you know, I, I, I got invigorated being back on stage was with, you know, theater, musical theater and performing. And um, that's all, I'll, I'll, I'll pause there yeah. because that's where our story slowly <laughs> starts to intersect. So I'm going to stop there. Yeah. So I um, had never really done like this version of music, I guess. I, I fell in love with musical theater and I moved here from Nova Scotia to sort of pursue that. So I went to school for musical theater and then I was doing musicals um, around Toronto. And then we ended up in a show together, which was sort of a Star Wars spoof, which we like to mention because we're both dorks. Um, so we met doing that um, on stage and it was a show that actually got remounted a couple of times. So we got to do it and we were always sort of part of the like main cast. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we did a show just, the, which is a two-hander show, just the two of us, that was a musical. And that was the first time that we ever like sang together and the show was just the two of us. So we got to work like, a lot yeah I guess, I mean, we together. were rehearsing like 20 hours a week in that show wow. yeah and so that happened and a few years passed and then uh the plague happened and <laughs> yes. uh you know we didn't really have anything to do and then he just messaged me one day and was like hey i'm thinking of recording a couple of songs and i wanted one to be a duet do you want to come sing on this duet with me 
So I had nothing else to do. So we got together, we recorded a Taylor Swift cover and we released that on Spotify. And I was so excited because I've never had songs on Spotify or anything like that. So that was super cool for me. And uh, then we recorded a couple more covers and we thought like, hey, hey, this is working out. Like, let's see if we can try writing something together. And here we are now. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah, things really, I think things really clicked when we, you know, I, I we were doing this and we're still doing this for fun, I think, but at the very beginning, it was very much a way for us to keep creative in the only way that we had, because we had no stage. We, we, we you know, you can't really, you know, we could act in front of a, a webcam, but it's just not as fun. <laughs> um, so music was kind of our way of staying creative. And I think the moment we said, why don't we try writing? Just see where it goes. That's where things clicked. I think Nicole brought in, it was just a rough idea. She's like, you know, I kind of had an idea for, like this chorus and within like seconds <laughs> it just clicked we had a chorus then I'm like well that was fast um and then we just it, we started writing and writing and writing and I think within you know six weeks we had written something like 13 or 14 songs and we're like you know we were originally going to write a single and then we're like we're going to write an EP and then when we kind of plastered it all together I'm like I think we have an album and <laughs> so here we go and and yeah. you know within you know for like another two months later it was it was out uh, which yeah, it was insane to think how quickly things moved at the very beginning, but um, it was very whirlwind. Yeah, it was very, very whirlwind. whirlwind. And then is this your guys' full time gigs now? It's, I part, it, kind it's of. a part of it. I mean, I think we're 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 both finally back in a world where now that the world's opening up and now that kind of theater is back, we're finally both in a world where theater is back in our lives and performing oh, is back oh, in our lives yeah. permanently. So. This is just, you know, a, a part of that. It is an element of performing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So we have this, you know, Nicole's um, acting, you know, full-time as well. I'm uh, doing a lot of theater management. And then I also have a separate mentalism, uh, a separate show that I run, which is a mentalism show. So, you know, we, but I, we're still keeping this, you know, we still rehearse weekly. We still are writing. We're still like, this is still Play very gigs, much a part of yeah. what, yeah. We're releasing still a new song. Yeah. Yeah. releasing a new song and and you know it's I think one of the things that we learned is I think in 2021 because there was we really didn't have all that much going on um and things moved at such a fast pace you know we, we were when we were about to release the song we kind of looked at it and we're like this is our third release this year you know it's it's nice it's nice because yeah. when we counted last year last year we released 27 songs when you kind of add up the album and like the covers and everything like that we look back at it we're like what were, what were we thinking like it was just you know and when we were I would say like towards the end of the year we were very much burnt out like we 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 got to tour which I think was really really cool in 2021 which in a small break and, between lockdowns yeah <laughs> we literally started the tour after like I think maybe two weeks after a lockdown had opened up and then our tour ended and then three days later everything shut down again so we got like so lucky in the in the process of that and I think when we went into this year you know as we as we both started to have things open up and our opportunities come back, you know, we we weren't saying goodbye to this. We were still very much a part of it, but I think it was working a lot smarter versus versus hard. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's the same with the podcast started during the pandemic, right? Yeah, it's just a way to communicate with people. I needed exactly. <laughs> and and I think that was the really unique thing about starting this kind of a project during during the plague. We like calling it the plague. It's just a much better name to it. I like um, that name actually. <laughs> great, but. But for us, I think the thing that was unique is that, you know, we weren't able to play gigs locally to to promote ourselves. We weren't able to kind of, you know, focus on local 
uh, you know, local publications and things like that to get our names out there. So it was very, very much a social media driven project when we first started, which was great because, you know, we had a global audience listening, which you don't usually get when you first start these things out. So targeting differently, hashtagging differently. Yeah. yeah. And it was really cool because um, like indie artists on, uh, well, our primary one is Instagram and Facebook and things like that, especially during the pandemic when everyone was really focused on online stuff. Um, we all sort of connected and we followed each other and we met these artists from all over the world. And now we have these connections. Like we wrote a song with a girl in England and oh, wow. we had um, another one do from like across the pond, do piano on one of our tracks and stuff like that. Like it's, it's crazy all the friends that we've made yeah. who are also artists. And there's like this little sort of group that all supports each other. It's great. And you know what? They probably were looking for you as well. Right. Yeah. process yeah well, where did you guys come up with the name broad tree that's all you that's all you so um when we first started releasing covers and things like that um out into the interwebs we just gave ourselves a name and his name's Armand mine's Nicole so we called ourselves A and N um, but then when we were about to release the album, we started to go, we should probably get a better name because that's actually really hard to find when yeah. you search it online or on streaming. Yeah, it's true. like, because the ampersand doesn't count as a character. And, and a, a, like just, the letter A. Well, A actually doesn't count as a character either because it's it's A, the, like anything like that. Yes, yes, yeah, but you're like, we were listed under N, <laughs> like literally the letter N. Like N. If, you, if you downloaded one of our songs and you put it into the alphabetical order, it would just show up under N. <laughs> So, so, so was it was not an ideal name. Um, so when we decided to release the album, we were like, oh gosh, we should probably pick a better name. And uh, I think I was probably sitting on the toilet or something like that. A lot of people, once we started putting our music out there said, oh, well, you guys sound country, but you have like this musical theater sound too. And we were like, well, that makes sense. Cause those are both influences for us. And I thought like, oh, Broadway plus country is broad tree <laughs> oh look at that <laughs> right okay <laughs> so I that's, like it. <laughs> that's cool. but it's also it's nice it has a very country vibe like it, it has this sort of imagery of this nice big large tree and it feels very like nature and grounded and stuff like that but yeah it really is just the brangelina of band names <laughs> i love it love it and uh, so armin are you from toronto originally um, for the most part, I mean, I usually say that I'm, I'm, I'm Toronto based. I was born in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, we moved back and forth constantly between Mexico and then Brampton. So Brampton's mostly where I grew up. I think once I moved permanently to Canada, yeah. uh, way back in the days where Brampton was still considered a small town. <laughs> um, and then eventually, you know, once that started to grow and, uh, I, you know, was working downtown a lot more I, I made the move and I've been you know I've been downtown Toronto for about 10 years now so it's it's home it still is it's it's still weird going back to Brampton and seeing the growth that it's had there but you know Toronto's Toronto's been my home for quite a while and I mean it's really hard when you when you're talking to people from anywhere outside of Canada like where are you from like it's Toronto it's, it's just Toronto. it's just easier that way <laughs> Brampton the Brampton's got that Vancouver in BC oh, no. <laughs> If you start saying like, oh, I'm from Prince Rupert or Prince. Yeah. Know, what are you yeah. Um, okay. So I have something here. Um, it says Broad Tree is a pop country duo that has created a unique blend of stylized storytelling over a bed of catchy pop country with a subject matter that often breaks the norms of the genre. 
Baduo openly supports several causes speaking about racial equality, Canadian First Nation rights, the LGBTQ plus community, and keeping an open line to anyone wishing to discuss mental health and illness. How come that was a, a topic of choice and causes for you? State well, the obvious, but come on. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of causes listed there. Um, and for some reason, because we're, you know, we come from some of these communities and also just because, you know, obviously a lot of our friends do and we care very deeply about those things. But one of the biggest themes on our first album was mental health. And that's because that's something that we both uh, live with. Um, and it's not really i mean it's it's getting better and that's actually something i guess semi-positive that came out of the plague is a lot of people started to have a better understanding of what mental health is and it got a little less scary to sort of come out and say well i i feel like okay. i've been depressed i'm not okay like um i'm having a lot of anxiety like people started to talk about things like that more but then there's of course still a ton of stigma that even though those things are starting to be more talked about and more accepted there's still a ton of stigma about other mental illness such as like bipolar and things like that like someone's much more likely to come out and say like oh i'm, I'm i have depression or i'm depressed than they are to say I'm bipolar, you know what I mean? Um, and so uh, a big theme on our album was sort of addressing and talking about that, which is not something you see and uh, you, you encounter it sometimes in you know, rock and stuff, but not so often in country music. Yeah. What do you guys struggle with, if you don't mind me asking, in terms from a mental We're very, I mean, I, we're, we're both very open about our mental health. So I was diagnosed with uh, borderline personality disorder back in 2013. Originally it was bipolar and then lots of psychiatrists argued and then eventually KMH was like here you go I'm like all right great um so that that was my diagnosis yeah and then uh and then I'm bipolar so you know we're we're very I I think we've both been in the position where you know it it, it is sometimes very difficult to to talk about that to to tell somebody without not necessarily knowing how they're going to react you know it's one thing when you tell the the people that you know are going to stand by you regardless but when you tell a complete stranger or, you know, if you're having a really rough time at work, you know, something that for us is no different than let's say having the flu that knocks you out of work for three days when you're going through something and, you know, something that is an impact or as a result of your mental illness, it it's very, very difficult to talk about only or was very difficult to talk about just because you don't really know the kind of perception that's going to give you. You don't know how people are going to look at you differently are people gonna you know tiptoe around you and it, it really doesn't change who you are it's just something that you live with um but i think now we're in a position of you know it is it's part of our lives we know we know how to deal with it we know what our diagnosis is we know what it looks like we know the good we know the bad and it doesn't really impact who we are it's just it, it just is and for us i think it's really important to to get others to try to feel comfortable in that um obviously maybe not in the same way but you know to not necessarily be afraid of you know the the stigmas and the things that come with it i mean it's going to happen one way or another but i think you know most people it's not necessarily a matter of coming out and being like you know i'm 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 manic depressive or i'm bipolar whatever the diagnosis may be i think it's just being okay with whatever that label or that diagnosis is and getting the help that you need because i think that's the hardest part is so many people live with some of the some of the the challenges of depression anxiety or, or you know the, the full spectrum of mental illness and you know it's just a small percentage that are able to actually go and say things aren't okay i need help um and 
our biggest thing is that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no, it's okay not to be okay. And the, like we said, in country music, that's not a very big popular theme. So if we could try to find a way to, to you know, to, to discuss that and talk about it, even if it's not necessarily directly in our music, but in, in open conversations, that's, that's a big platform that we stand by. But music is a great way to sort of connect with people about it too, because like we have written a few songs that are very obviously about <laughs> that. And, um, and I think it's, it's just such a, you know, music is such a universal language and somebody, you, you might come up to say to someone and say like, oh, you know, I'm bipolar. And they might go, whoa, I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't get it. I don't understand. But you can talk about what that feels like in a song and people can go, oh, I, I felt that. Like, I know what that feeling is. So it's, it's a really great way to, I guess, make it less scary too. Yeah. Well, it's so true. I mean, yeah, you're you're right. If you hear the word like anxiety, it's so different than someone came up to you and said bipolar because what yeah. you have, you know, that initial thing is, well, do I have to watch what I say or what do we, how do you deal with this? And yeah, and then well, there's when you don't know what to do, you kind of isolate right? mm -hmm. that person away and uh, whether that's a colleague, a friend or whatever. Yeah. So true. And it's just, it's a lot of the stigmas that, you know, I think we grew up with, if we think of like movies and things like that, you know, it's just those, representation. those turn of, the representation of bipolar or, you know, schizophrenia or psychosis or, or any of these things that were just that, that are illnesses, like they're, that's literally all they are, um, just have such a horrible name to them. Right. And I think that's one of the, that, that's one of the hardest things to sometimes overcome. And um, you're right. I mean, they're, they're scary terms for those that don't necessarily know what they are, but our biggest thing is, you know, can we create awareness? Can we create a little bit of, just a little bit of education and give people the resources that they need for it? Because that's, I think, the biggest thing. And I love that you guys are shedding light on a topic that, again, like you said, is, has that stigma around it. Like, it's needed. Yeah, we're all normal. Yeah. We all, so many of us suffer in silence, don't we? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And that's the, and that's, yeah. and that's the worst thing about it is that, well, and, and the stigmas make it hard for you to go get help yourself as well. Like I remember, you know, I grew up in a really small community and stuff like that. So, you know, ideas take longer to change in tiny <laughs> communities. Um, and uh, I remember when I was first struggling, I, it took me so long to go get help because I didn't, to me, going to get help meant I was crazy. And I didn't want to think of myself that way I didn't want to think and a lot of people still have these ideas about like getting medication and stuff they say oh it's going to make me a zombie it's going to dull all my feelings and I'll be and that's so not the case anymore yeah. you know like I'm so grateful that I finally decided like I've had enough of this I need to get help it changed my life oh, yeah. so it's, yeah. you know it's so important to to let people know that it's okay yeah yeah because a lot of people hide their medication or nervous right like, oh. mm -hmm or afraid to go there at all yeah. like you know one thing the pandemic did is like kind of open us all up to saying is yeah you know what we're all human beings now going back to work and doing all these things i'm so proud that you guys were able to go out there and have the courage to say i have bipolar i suffer with this uh, this is what i stand up for because uh, yeah we didn't do those things before mm -hmm. all under the rug yeah yeah, and and I think even if we did before, um, I think the the empathy and the the open ear to try to understand wasn't there. You know, you throw the term and like you said, it's that whoa, okay, what do I like? How do I yeah. how do I act around here? Like, 
the same way that you were acting five seconds ago like it's cool yeah um but now i think people are just a little bit more open to oh well okay what does that actually mean like what do you go through and you know i think if there's there's one out of a hundred people that's now more willing to listen to that then great all the better i mean that's one percent but it's still it's still a step forward did you guys know that each one of you su suffered with that um yeah i mean you've been really open for years on social media and stuff yeah like that. I mean, so i i kind of yeah yeah i mean i like i said from the very beginning i think for me it was this is a part of who i am and i'm not really gonna hide behind it um or or hide it just because i i, I think it's also very important for people to understand that just like any other illness and that's I, that's i think one of our biggest thing is that mental illness is no different than living with you know anything else that's chronic you know like things like whether it's diabetes or whether it like you know you'll having you know some sort of episode be it like a manic episode with bipolar or like uh you know some sort of attack with with borderline it's no different than a flare-up on something else you know it's just these this is what happens and i think that for me it was always very important especially the people that i was closest with to be able to understand here's the potential impact of what might happen if i'm going through you know a I'm for like, actually, I'm going to use that from now on a flare, a mental health yeah. flare up, mental illness flare up from now on. Um, because I think for, for anybody, I think it's very important for them to know just like, here's, here's, here's what might happen and here's how I need support. And I think that's, that's an important conversation to have. Um, but then I think, yeah, I don't think I, so basically what happened, I'm not sure what, how much you knew beforehand, but I know when we started working together and writing songs and stuff like that, obviously, you know, the, the plague has hit uh, artists and performers so hard. And we were both just going through, you know, one of the hardest times in our life and it was so bad. And of course, when that's what you're going through, that's what you write about. And so I think that very early on, um, we definitely had some big conversations about all of the hard things that we were going through. So, yeah. so pretty well, as soon as we started working together, I think. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I think that goes well before Broadtree. I don't, and, and it's interesting because I think when you're, when you're talking about mental illness and it's almost something that brings you together, which is kind of a weird thing to say, yeah. but it's like, wait, borderline, bipolar, me too. And, and, <laughs> and then, because then you, then you, you have someone that you can actually share these experiences with and not be afraid to share them because you can actually yeah. say like, here's what I'm going through and then have the other person go like, oh my God, yes, yeah, thank you. So many people, you know, normal friends or whatever, for lack of a better word, you know, or family members or whatever it is in your life. You can, you can talk about like, oh, and like, I feel like this and, you know, you know talk about how you're feeling and they'll be like oh no don't feel like that it's okay like it's fine everything's gonna be good and so take some tylenol <laughs> take yeah. some tylenol for it like yeah. but sometimes that just doesn't help you don't want somebody to say like oh you'll be fine you want somebody to say like i get it i'm listening like you know i understand that that's hard for you like instead of just being like oh don't worry it'll all be okay you know sometimes you just need somebody who's just gonna listen and be like that sucks yeah you know what is bipolar to you guys and what do you guys go through as symptoms and such Ooh. that we could share Ooh. with others yeah that's a big question well i would say um bipolar is is kind of like when things are good it's like anything is possible like you're like on top of the world and when things are bad it's like nothing is possible and you have no hope at all in life 
So those are kind of the ups and downs. And obviously you don't feel like that constantly every day unless you're in a, a bad spot. Um, but that's, yeah. And sometimes those things can last an hour and it can be very roller coaster up and down, or sometimes it can last for months where you feel really down yeah, or really isn't up. Isn't that life in general though? The ups and downs <laughs> of life? It is, yeah, but it just, there's something very overwhelming about it. And I mean, I've, I'm, I'm generally pretty lucky, but I know that like sometimes um, for certain people uh, that are bipolar, they'll have like, when they're having a manic episode, which is kind of sometimes feels good because you're very high and happy and excited and over the top, uh, it involves making really bad decisions because you feel great. So you'll go spend all your money or like, you know, have a lot of, uh, I've not done this, but, you know, have a lot of like uh, sex and stuff. Yeah. Promiscuous, thank you, that uh, oh, yes, don't really yeah. think okay. out. Or you spend, I have done this, you spend a whole bunch of money because you're like, yeah, this is a great idea. Like I'm an actor, I got an opportunity, opportunity that was probably a little sketchy to go to LA, but it cost me like $10,000. And I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm going to be a star. Right. You know, so your logic can get a little skewed and stuff like that. Uh, uh, reality and perception. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think the, you know, the ups and downs are, are one thing, but I think one of the, the biggest challenges that you don't have full control over it, or you're not necessarily aware of kind of what's going on. I think when you're in that manic state, it's not like you can there's it's very very hard to have that out-of-body experience to look and be like you need to calm down like just <laughs> you know don't spend 10 grand on this um yeah. or you don't have you know the outside body being like you know you're in a low this is going to get better and I think one of the things that um you know like on, on the therapy that I've gone through for borderline it's a, it is a lot of that it's being able to kind of work yourself out of out of these holes that you sometimes get you, you know you don't dig for yourself but you kind of do at some point or another so can you own, um, like, own up to that and just say, like, how does someone say, oh, my God, don't spend that much money? How do you, <laughs> like, is there a way to kind of keep a rational thought, but then without numbing yourself to the point where you just have no feeling? Like, is there a balance? It's, it's I, I mean, I can speak from, I mean, I've, I've just, not just, it's weird to think that it was a year ago. Um, I went through a pretty intense um, therapy program called uh, DBT, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, and that's, basically the therapy for BPD, for borderline personality disorder. And on, you know, whereas with bipolar, it's, you know, feeling ups and downs. Um, the way to describe borderline is it's essentially feeling, imagine feeling absolutely every emotion, but amplify it to, you know, about a hundred times more than what the average person would feel. So, you know, when something is great, it's, it's, it's unbelievably great. But when something hurts, it, it hurts more than anything you can possibly imagine. And like one of the one of the articles that is very, very commonly known is that uh, they describe borderline personality disorder as somebody essentially having the the equivalent the equivalent of like third degree burns, but emotionally. Um, and it's a hard thing to deal with, right? Because you're constantly, you're constantly in that position of like, how do I deal with this? What do I do? And uh, to be honest, um, therapy is kind of one of the things that, you know, I think we're both on the same page. We both firmly believe that it doesn't matter what you're going through, if whether you're mentally ill or not, therapy is a very smart thing to do at some point <laughs> or another. It makes yeah. a huge difference. And, and a lot of that is really coping. It's a lot of it is understanding, okay, well, you know, if I feel a manic episode coming on, or if I feel like my, I'm starting to spiral and I'm going to, and I know where this is going, identifying it and 
having your own strategies to make sure that you don't end up there. Um, so it's kind of almost like nipping in the bud before you actually get into those positions versus, and, and it takes time. I mean, early on in the days, and, you know, I would say up until maybe last year, I didn't know how to do that. And this therapy program has been like a life changer. Yes, thank goodness. And, yeah, it's, it's so hard on you, yourself when you put yourself through hell, right? And you yeah. see darkness. It's hard, right? You don't want ever want to go back there. It's there. They can take you down. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> so, and then obviously with First Nations and Indigenous and racial equalities, how did that all come about for you guys? First Nations rights is something that's, I mean, I think it really struck me really hard um, because I, in my history classes, I mean, you know, evidently a lot of new evidence has come to light in Canada, as you know, about residential schools and exactly how horrifying um, they were. Um, but I personally, I was, we never learned about that. Like a lot of people say, oh, we didn't learn much about it in history class. I didn't learn about it at all. Same I there. found out, same there, yeah. Exactly right. Like I found out about residential schools when I was 22 years old, sitting on a subway in Toronto and I picked up a newspaper because it was sitting there and I had nothing to do. And it was the front page article, just somebody talking about this. And I was just, I just remember being absolutely flabbergasted and completely shocked that this was something that had happened. Yeah. Like, it, and the fact that I, the worst part was not like realizing, like, how could I not know about this? and how infuriating that is and I mean again growing up in a small town like <laughs> I mean um I remember our our little town like we're a lot of communities in uh, Canada are close to reserves and stuff and uh I remember growing up being not taught per se but like the general perception was oh the natives which we use as a derogatory term oh, they just can't get ahead because, you know, they're lazy drunks and like just this whole terrible perception yeah. of like, yeah, oh, they, you know, it was 200 years ago, get over it. And like, the reason you're not over it is because you're just lazy, like terrible, terrible things. And I literally believed that when I was little growing up, you know, and it's just. And then I like, think with, you know, it, it is one of those where you know, our awareness of it was there. And when, you know, things started to come out about all the, you know, the findings at residential schools and, you know, discovering these thousands of bodies of children. I mean, that it's, it's infuriating and it's infuriating when you know about it beforehand, but, you know, it's even more infuriating when, you know, we, 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 we take such pride, like we, I don't know, Canada has this element of pride, no matter where we go, we're just so proud of being Canadian and don't get me wrong. Like, I think, I'm very proud of some of the things that our country has. I'm, I, you know, I think that we have so much to offer, but then when you look at some of the things that are literally swept under the rug um, for us as, you know, as, as children growing up in school and aren't, you know, informed about some of the history that we had, um, that's the thing that really kind of, I think, sunk in. And, you know, even when we look at January 1st of last year, there were still people that were going, you know, despite thousands of children being found, you still had people going, well, that was 200 years ago. And you're like, we, okay, we need to have a conversation because it's not about what happened then. It's about what's happening, what, now. What's happening now, because this still exists. This is still a present thing. People are still living with this trauma. And if we're ignoring it, then we're not giving people the due respect and diligence. And, and you know, this whole reconciliation thing that everybody keeps talking about, well, that's, education is a big part of that and 
you know, for us, one of the, you know, our big thing on social media was, was having those conversations because we would see people and we would get comments from people after we posted, you know, a video about it, um, just talking about stats and just talking about the educational side of things saying, well, you know, like, why is this so important if it happened so long ago? And, you know, it's, 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 it, you want to, it does, it hurts when you hear stuff like that, because it's just, it's not fair. And, you know, it, you then realize you're like, we have this image of what Canada is and suddenly that image is taken away and you know it's not a matter of it's not, it doesn't erase some of the great things that we've built as a country but it's built on this you know history that we that we're choosing to ignore and I think that we can't really truly be great if we don't acknowledge and and reconcile with the things that we've done in the past and I think that's something that's really really important to both of us and a lot of uh, a lot of now that these you know discoveries have been made and it's becoming more part of the public awareness there's so much talk it's very much like the states always say oh thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers there's so much of that and like oh look I'm an ally because I forwarded this post and things like that and for us it's like it's not just about saying sorry or feeling guilty or that sort of thing. Like, what can we do now to actually help? So we try to put that message out there a little bit too, about like, here are some actual things that you can do or some actual issues that we can look at as a country to help the people who are living now in these communities and these people who are suffering now. And, and for us, like something, something as simple as we wrote um, an email to our, our local council um, just to start that conversation and that turned into you know this this three hour like mm -hmm. she gave us three hours of her time to have conversations about you know the things that we could start to look at in the community and what um, her party and you know the NDP party was doing because uh, she was a member of the NDP party and it was just it was very comforting to know that we at least had somebody in our community that we could have that dialogue with right and and knowing that you know they're they're really they they have that mentality and that those words are coming out and you know we've started to see some of those actions come to come to place but you know it's it's we're still a long ways off we're, we're seeing baby steps happen um which is good to see but i think that you know for us the important thing is just making sure that that education you know it's it doesn't slip away you know we had our first national day for truth and reconciliation so how do we make sure that those conversations continue to happen Right, it's not just wear the orange shirt on that day and move exactly. on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I talk about with mental health day. It's called Let's Talk. I think it's a great day. Yeah, thank you. But it drives or, me crazy. Or right. mental health month, right? It's just, you know, it, it's great. And we hope that we hope that people are able to, to come out and have those discussions. But it doesn't end on May 31st. It doesn't end like it doesn't start on May 1st. It's it's yeah it's just like that I mean it's I'm you know you pride, pride doesn't just happen in June it's it's a year-round thing so I think it's a great reminder right in case someone's new or you know now their time of life or wherever they're at and they say mm -hmm. open to discussions open to um, absorbing new things in their life I think you know whatever that occasion is mm -hmm. if it's um, the reconciliation day if it's mental health day if it's pride month pride week yeah I don't know life is interesting isn't it <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I just, you know, I think it was Kamloops. Wasn't that the first place that we heard about? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was my first time hearing about all that. I had never heard of it. And I was a upset. Uh, I felt like shit for a second because I thought, was I ignorant this whole time in my life? Like, did I not have a clue? 
Yeah. No one has brought that up in my entire life around me. So, mm -hmm. and I moved from East Africa to Calgary at four months old. So I was re really upset about that part. Yeah, we never gave people hope. Like we already had a narrative in our heads. And yeah, and and I think when you when that's the common view that everybody around you has, it's it it is very hard to ignore. It's really hard to just not you know believe it just because that's the narrative that everybody's spinning. Um, and I mean, if this is when that was your first time hearing about it, I mean, that's the general population of Canada was just yeah. hit really hard with this. Oh my God. Like, how is this actually, like you said, how is this happening right under our noses? And we didn't even know about it. I mean, one or two children is bad enough. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But thousands is just, it's. Yeah. What do but you that, guys hope to see, though, out of all this? Like, what, you know, some of the things that you'd like to see. Okay, we have the Orange Shirt Day. We have the Reconciliation Day. What can we do for the, the future generations? I think, first of all, we need to actually listen to them. You know what I mean? Because, like, uh, there's a lot of voices right now saying what, you know, we should be doing. And I think that First Nations people, we, we still don't listen you know it's it's the clean water thing that always comes up they're saying this is what we need and we go like oh but how about orange shirts and a day in class for you and it's like you know like your pipelines are destroying our homelands this is what we need and we're just like you know we're gonna say uh that our theater's on your land thank you very much you know what i mean which is a start it's something but like they they can tell us what they need like um the big uh that massive stabbing that just happened in saskatchewan uh, uh, and like James you know Nation. yeah and and you know they're saying like what we need is mental health assistance we need you know th like therapists and like and you know it's just people are often focused on the wrong thing and i think the main thing would be like we got to listen to the people it's happening to yeah and I think as we build that in, I think education, building building kids up right now with the education and knowledge that mm -hmm. this is a part of our history. Listen, every single country has a stain. Like there's no country in the world that doesn't have a stain on its past, regardless of how incredible that country seems to be now. And I think don't that- Don't we all have wounds? Agree, absolutely. But I think that, and, and that's the whole thing is that, you know, we, but this is one that we've chosen to kind of, again, we're, none of us knew, like a lot of people don't know. And shouldn't it be a part of our history at some point or another to say, like, here are some of the things that, you know, before we became this great nation, that we weren't a great nation at one point or another, and we're still making ways with it. So I think, you know, education on education to those that are finding out now you know who are who are now adults it is a little bit harder to kind of get to but you know for for the kids that are growing up in our society when it comes to any of the things that you know you've mentioned that we're that we're big advocates of um whether it is first nations right whether it is you know the lgbtq plus community um something as simple as you know introducing um what introducing what homosexuality is as part of you know and heterosexuality in in, in education like all of it comes down to making sure that these things that we're discovering now and these things that we're that we're learning about and the the damages that we've gone through i mean you know think about what somebody being gay looked like 20 years ago compared to what it is now yeah. you know people were people were people are still judged by it but 20 years ago 
you know, calling someone gay was an insult, you know, like that, you would say that to somebody to try to insult them. It wasn't and, used the way it is used now. Right? No. And now it's just, you know, I feel like it's slowly, it's, it's become a part of our everyday language, but you know, that's because we've grown up with a bit of that education. We grew up through this period of watching it grow and watching it become the norm. And, you know, it, I think that kids that are growing up in our country deserve to know that, deserve to know that all of these things, things like mental illness should be taught no different than, you know, uh, sports ed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so I think, I think as far as, you know, the big picture looks, it's, you know, uh, listening to what people need, but more importantly, also making sure that the education is there. Um, if not for, for us, if not for the people that aren't going to try to actively seek it out, but to make sure that, you know, our, our future generations at least know, because they're the ones that are going to be able to actively take part and do things in it. What made you guys pick the LGBTQ plus community as a whole? And uh, sorry, I just read somewhere that there's a two now on there. Is that LGBT? Two spirit, I two think, spirit, yeah. yeah. Which is which is actually an indigenous thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of their one of oh, their. Is that what that? Okay, so yeah. it doesn't mm -hmm. have to always be applied for it. It just if you're relating it to indigenous, is that how? It, yeah, that, that that's where the the two spirit um, side. And and honestly, that 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 LGBTQ plus. We, we kind of stop it there just because otherwise the letters go on and on and on and on. Um, so we mean the community as a whole. Um, we, uh, so I'm bisexual. Um, I only came out and uh, like this actually comes from last year, we wanted to write a song for pride. We kind of said, you know, like it, it is, you know, we have, we have so many friends that are in the community and we're actors. We're actors. Yeah. That's kind of, <laughs> All our friends. Of and um, we wanted to write a song that was a part that was going to be a part of Pride, and um, we we had a mentality of what we were going to release and what it was going to sound like. And then with you know with us living with mental illness and then BLM happening all around, and you know all of these different things that were happening in the world back in 2021, where it was hard to wake up in the morning and realize like things are awful right now. The world is a really crappy place right now. Mm -hmm. Um, we released this song called Biaz and a video that went with it. And rather than it being focused on as, you know, uh, as an anthem for, you know, for pride, um, we tried to take, you know, pride as pride in anything that you are. So whether it is yeah. your sexuality, whether it's where you're from, your religion, um, you know, whether you're a workaholic or a playaholic, whatever it may be, just taking pride in who you are and to be you know, like our, our tagline in that song is be as proud as you want to. Um, and that, that's my shirt. Yeah, that, that, was our, that was our pride shirt. By the way, can you buy that shirt anywhere? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. on our merch store. It's on our merch store. Yeah, I'm totally getting one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Um, and the tagline is, the tagline is literally on the shirt, it's be whatever you want to be um and be whatever you want to and that was our big thing you know it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter what you do just just be and that that kind of came out and, you know it started off as something for pride and you know turned into a little bit more and we you, know, you tell the story because i'm talking a lot oh um, what am i telling the story <laughs> well i'm gonna say like what happened maybe after we released the pride single oh my god um so after we released the the pride single after we released Biaz we got messages almost immediately like within the first few hours within the first 24 hours of it being released we were getting messages from complete strangers saying like you know thank you so much like this song has you know it, it was a big moment for me like hearing this song like i'm going i now feel like i'm going to 
come out to my parents or like, you know, things like that. It was, it and, was incredible. And, and for somebody to tell you that, you know, something that you created made them feel brave and confident enough to go and actually come out to their, to their family. Mm-hmm. I mean, we almost cry. I probably yeah, cried <laughs> because like, I mean, it, that's why we make art at the end of the day. You know, we make art to try to make a difference. And if one person, if, if we walk away from this and one person walked away with being able to be themselves and, and have that conversation, I mean, what, what else could you really ask for? Like that's, that to us is success. Yeah, when you look at a metric, that's a metric right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's probably the biggest checkbox you can give. So I think, you know, that that for us is 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 a big part of it. You know, I think and co- bringing it all back, you know, in in the world of country music, mm-hmm. none of this is talked about. And I think, you know, when you look at the origins of where country comes from, it's probably part of the, one of the reason for it. <laughs> um, States and all yep, that. pretty yeah. much. Alabama. But, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I think for us, it's, it, you know, it, we, we, we have this, we never thought that we would have a platform. We honestly mm-hmm. never thought that this yeah. was going to go anywhere. We never thought that we'd be in this position where, you know, yeah. two years after starting, we'd be having interviews and conversations like this. And I mean, we didn't set out to be like, you know, social justice warriors yeah. <laughs> and politics, politics. But, but the world you... forced us into that. Like, I was never this guy that knew a lot of these things. Like, I was like, oh, that's just the way the world is, yep. right? Mm-hmm. I never cared about this stuff. But yeah, now you realize, like, what's right, what's wrong, what you stand up for, and enough is enough, right? Like, I don't yeah. want to be pushed in this corner and believed this way, or or this is hidden from me, like you said, the rec- uh, the residential schools. Yeah. I and was it was- upset that I didn't know that from social studies. Like, we learned about Germany in World War II, too, yeah, or right? the, the fur trade in Thunder Bay, <laughs> Hudson Bay. Yeah. Right? Well, that was my school. It was like, oh yeah, they used canoes, you yes. know, like that's literally all we got. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. Oh man. But yeah, but then it's it's that thing, like especially in 2021, so many things were happening that we were like, this is too important. We have people listening. We have to say something. Yeah. I mean, the world has really opened its eyes for I hope the better. And, and I think the, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, the important thing is to continue that dialogue. And that's what's, that's why, you know, for us, it's continuously important to continue yeah. that conversation, to, to continue to, to make, to, to, to speak about it, to make posts about it. Um, you know, it's not just about truth and current, like whenever, you know, we, we receive an email, because we still get emails from our, our, our local council saying, here's an update and here's something you guys might want to know. And we share that, like, we're so happy to share stuff like that. Because for us, like it's it's a step forward. You know, we're, we may not have made that step, but it's important for us to share that so that other people know. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, the world is definitely in a new spot, isn't it? Yeah. Is, is the future bright? I think so. We're making strides already. Like as long as we don't allow it to be a flash in the pan, as right. long as we don't allow it to be like, oh, this is the vogue thing to talk about on Facebook or whatever right now, and then we move on to the next thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I th- it's. I think I think, and you know what? I think the the, you know the the plague brought some really awful things about, um, but it also brought some really good things about, and I think that's because a lot of the times for the better part of 2020, we didn't have a choice but to sit down and listen, mm-hmm. and there are certain things that you couldn't turn a blind eye to, and BLM was a big part of that. I mean, if you think back to what people, and I'm guilty of this, you know, I remember. Um, in Toronto a couple of years ago, BLM stopped the Pride Parade. 
they like the biggest pride parade in North America, or I think the world for that matter in Toronto, they formed a line and they stopped the pride parade and said, here's a list of the things that we want to see change. And at that time, I'm like, you're, you're, you're stopping one of the, like, you're stopping such an important day. Like, how dare you? And then when you sit back and you start to learn a lot more about BLM and just all the social injustices that they've brought up in the last couple of years, I think back to then and go, yeah, I get, where else are you going to, like, if you're not being heard, at what point do you basically say, like, we need to take a stand. And if it means that we have to stop this to be heard, then we'll do it. Um, because there's only so much screaming that you can do before you actually have to take, you know, a drastic action to it. So I think, you know, we're finally in a place where we're able to listen, we're able to, to truly kind of, I think, try to understand. And I think that was a, that's something that's positive that's come out of the pandemic, I think, is that people are able to, to focus and understand and learn a little bit more about what they stand for and what they believe in and the things that they're educated on, you know, be able to, to, to stop those conversations from happening if, or, or, or jump in if they hear something that's, that's incorrect. And I think that's one of the key things, you know, I've, I've heard more and more people, if somebody makes a comment that again, we, we almost kind of just take as taken stride. It's just like, you know, it, it could be a racial term or whatever the case may be. Um, but just being able to jump in and being like, it's not okay to say that like, and here's, and most people don't necessarily realize why until they're educated on it. And I think that's one of the key things that, you know, we, we don't talk about. Um, I'll use an example. Um, and this happened before the pandemic. Uh, this happened, I think, seven or eight years ago. The, the term like being, being gypped, being ripped off. And we use that term being gypped a lot. And I used to use it all the time until somebody says, do you know where that term is from? And I'm like, well, no, I've like, I just it thought it was the term. And it was the gypsy. Yeah, it was the, the idea of basically a gypsy not being paid. And that that's where that term came from. And I had but as soon as I heard that, I was like, that's awful. <laughs> like, why are we using this as, and he's like, and he explained to me the whole reason and how it became a term, but I'm like, we're still like, how are we still using that? And he's like, because it's a part of everyday culture. And you know, my, like, all I can really do is explain it when I'm when I heard it and great, guess what? I've probably had that conversation at least 10 to 15 times since I first understood it. And if 10 to 15 people have now heard that and have stopped using that, I mean, that's a step in the right direction. You know, if, if one person can make that little tiny bit of an impact, then times that, but how many, right? Exactly. That's how things right. move. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I also spend a lot, I spend a lot of time with people from younger generations, um, or the new, next coming generation, I guess. And I think as questionable as the internet's massive presence in their life is sometimes, <laughs> I think it's also amazing for them to have access to so much information and so many different opinions. Like I said before, coming from a small town, things are changing there so much faster now because kids are growing up with access to all of this stuff. And the younger generations are almost, you know, we, we kind of tease them a little bit for like this cancel culture and stuff like that, but they're almost so aware of all these different, you know, things that are going on in the world that I, I honestly have a great deal of hope in them. Yeah. I think, I think they've, they've got the right idea. They're on the right track. And I think, I think it's going to be good. There's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. hopefully. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think people look at, you know, people will get into this mentality of like, Oh, cancel cultures become this, this negative thing. And I'm like, well, uh, you know, you can, you, you can look at it any way you want, but the whole point of yeah, somebody getting canceled, I think it's weird that that's a verb. Now. <laughs> um, it, like, I, I think the biggest thing behind all that is really just, okay, forget about 
forget about this person for a second, but what's the reasoning behind it? Mm -hmm. And if that's the conversation that we're having, then great. That's where we need to start. Um, you know, I think I'll use Harry Potter as an example. There are so many, like the, the Harry Potter audience out there is, is millions and millions and tens of millions of people. And, you know, when you look at the author of Harry Potter coming out as a transphobic person over and over and doubling down on it, I mean, the amount of people that really just stirred away from that culture altogether and not, you know, still believe in the magic and still want to take part in that, but know that they need to separate the author from the yes. books because, yeah. you know, that was, that was, I mean, I, I, I wrestled with that quite a bit when I, I mean, we're both. like a musician, right? There are songs you may like, but I know a guy that I really don't like personally, that's a musician or yeah. as a person. I don't like him yeah. as a person, but I like his music. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, at what point do you separate the art from the artist? Um, but I th still think that, you know, the conversation we're having about why this artist or why this artist as a person author, is being, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think those are the conversations that we really need to have. Yeah. And oh, young right. people are thinking about that, which is great. That's where this whole, I mean, sometimes it gets over the top, but that's where this whole cancel culture comes from is they're thinking about, wow, I think that's wrong. And I think that that's important. Okay. That's devoted to truth and reconciliation. That's a I, huge step. I forward. hope that does happen, though. Yeah, and, and I think that, that I didn't know that. Anyways. Yeah, and and I think that you know the it's a matter of getting getting the right people to to be behind that. I think that you know this that's hit a couple different generations that have that control and have that power, and you know only only time will tell. But I think we're the one thing that I think about we're we're a little bit better in Canada about is is making those changes if they need to happen. And you know, that idea of thoughts and prayers is something that's infuriating to us more than the average, more than more than any other country. So that happens all the time. Yeah. I mean, like yeah, we're so we, bony now, or you could just like whatever. It's just exactly. And I and I and I think that yeah. and I don't think that we stand for it. And I think that's one of the important things about it. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time today. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Fun. Yeah. So and much.